Hey guys, Austin Nasso here with Working Comic Podcast. Uh, today I had the opportunity to interview the very great Michael Rousselet. Uh Michael Rousselet was one of the original members of Five Second Films and still is. He worked on a really cool movie called Dude Bro Party Massacre 3. And he's also a uh, writer and contributor for Cyanide and Happiness. And he started the cult movement for the movie The Room. This is a really interesting interview, and I hope you guys enjoy. So, hey guys, uh, welcome back to Working Comic Podcast. I am here with Michael Rousselet, who is an actor, writer, director, and painter. Uh, He notably writes for Five Second Films, and he wrote for the film Dude Bro Party Massacre 3 and the cartoon web series Cyanide and Happiness. Welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for doing this. Hey, Austin. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. So how, how's your day going? How's It's how's going life? great. Doing great. I'm uh, actually writing some uh, jokes for the Cyanide and Happiness video game. Um, so I've just been uh, coming up with silly point and click jokes and and whatnot it's it's great it's very fun those guys are those guys are the best that's awesome so what kind of platform is this video game going to be on um it's going to be a point and click uh role-playing game and i think it, it, it so far it's going to be pc and mac um i'm not 100 percent sure what other devices it's going to be on but it's going to be really funny it's going to be outrageous that's so cool is this the first game you've ever like worked on or have you worked on other games yeah no this is the first video game i've ever worked on um and i it's so much fun like the possibilities are fantastic there's gonna be a lot of fun little hidden surprises and jokes and and uh, it's gonna be outrageous it's gonna it's gonna be great very excited for it that's so i'm honored i'm honored that they brought me on yeah how do you write jokes for a video game that sounds so interesting well, so it's a point-and-click kind of puzzle game. So um, the character interacts with his environment and objects. He and so for each object, um, you write a look response, like it's identifying what is this, and then you can do a touch response, where you can touch it or, or collect an item. Or, and then there is a talk response, where you could like talk to characters or you could talk to a lamppost. And so for each of those responses, uh, we're just writing jokes and, and puzzles. Um, there's fun um, kind of interactions that lead to um, that you can combine puzzles and solve things. And, and sometimes there's like an extra animated joke. Like, for example, um, uh, there's a dog tied up next to a, um, a post that's uh, not too far from a mailman who's working on the mail. And um, it's a growling dog, and you can like unhook its leash, and it will attack the mailman. And and That's then great. while while the mailman is getting attacked, like he drops something that you can use, you know. So it's like cause and effect. Oh, that's pretty stuff. cool. Yeah. So they they have a whole bunch of that stuff. That's it's probably the only example I can give because who knows what else is going to happen. Well, that's so cool. So how what's what does a team look like for? Uh, you know, writing a funny video game. Like, what kind of people are on that team? What so, Chris of, Wilson, yeah. Chris Wilson from Cyanide Happiness is the creator of the game, and um, and he wrote a story outline of 
what you would have to do, the journey of the character and, and the obstacles and the pu uh, puzzles you have to go through and their character arc. And then, um, so he has the general outline and then we brainstorm together some details, some things we think would be funny to see, some interactions that would be funny, um, you know, ridiculous puzzles. And um, yeah, it's a lot of brainstorming and just laughing. And um, uh, yeah. That's so great. So are you writing... Great only the comedy or are you helping create the like how the game works and stuff like the oh I, yeah, mechanics I, don't any, and, uh, I don't know any any programming or any of the mechanics of it um no i'll just pitch like scenarios like oh this could be a fun puzzle or you know um a character jumps out of a window um and uh, it, it takes place during the apocalypse and i was like well Instead of them just jumping out of the window, can there be like a pile of bodies and they like and he slides down it like a surfboard, and they're like, "Oh, that's great! Yeah, let's have a pile of bodies and have them." That's great. Slide down. It's just it's fun. Yeah. That's so cool. So, how many like writers? Sorry, I'm asking so many questions about this. I just got so interested. That's okay. No, uh, <laughs> like how that's what it's for. <laughs> yeah, this is really cool. How how many writers would be on a team for a video game? Because I always um, think of video games is like you just have a bunch of engineers doing everything. Um, I don't know the back end of programmers and everything. Um, so far, the writing room is about four or five of us, and we get together on Skype. Um, a lot of us live in different states, so we, we do Skype meetings. And, um, yeah, it's great. That's the wonders, cool. of, te Remote the wonders of technology. Room. Yeah. Wow, very cool. And yeah. th so you said your buddy Chris, he's the creator. Yes, of the uh, of the of the cyanide game. So is he working with everyone, like all the different people, like the software people, the writers? Yeah, and... he's coordinating uh, with with the uh, engineers and the software people, and um, yeah, it's it's that actually just seems like the best job ever. Wait, I I didn't even know that was like a thing, and that sounds so <laughs> inspiring because I I do code and comedy, and that sounds like the, the oh there best. you go use of my effort I yeah would love to do that it's, it's fun it's very time consuming um i'm sure for the programmers there's a lot of artwork being oh, made yeah. so you have Lots artists like yeah writers engineers. yeah you got designers there's so, so much going on i mean this is my first time working on anything like this so it, it is a it's a, a learning experience for myself as well this is super cool so and this is just uh, one of the many projects you've been you know working on at cyanide happiness uh, yeah, yeah, I've been very lucky that they would bring me in just, you know, whenever they uh, they need a little extra help. And, um, yeah, I come in and just kind of pitch jokes and and uh, um, write sketches stuff. It's great. Yeah, they're, they're, those guys are the best. They're hilarious. That's cool. So how long have you been with Cyanide Happiness? I've been uh, uh, off and on writing with them for like two years. Um and it's also Skype meetings because uh, they're in Dallas and Chris is in Colorado and some people are in Connecticut. It's it's and where else? I don't know. I think somebody else is in Colorado. But yeah, they're they're great. I love them. Love them. And I actually great. got I actually got to work on um uh, a cartoon show that Explosum produced and um it, it's called the Blubberbs. and oh. it's about the town in the belly of a whale. So the suburbs in the blubber <laughs> is the Blubberbs. And it's on Go 90. It's on Go 90 right now, so you can watch it for free. Go90.com, 
and uh yeah we did uh created a cartoon show and wrote it and it was it was a blast it was great wow that's yeah. so cool so you did that under cyanide happiness yeah they were the producers um they said hey recently um we got um offered to do a show we're just trying to think of some ideas and i said oh i actually have a whole show and pitch bible if you guys want to look at it and they looked at it and like oh crap you already have all the art and all this stuff in episodes and i was like yeah they're like this is great let's let's pitch this that's they so pitched, great they pitched it to go 90 and and go 90 is like yeah let's do it um and and that was something that uh my writing partner eric sandoval who's also five second films um he and i just write 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 and um a lot of the times what we write it just goes on a shelf because it's hard to get people to read it in the industry especially so um we're like we wrote a cartoon show did a pitch book did art and we're like well that's cool no one's ever gonna look at this great back on put it on the shelf and then over time you you know you you're so you know imaginary shelf has a bunch of ideas a library and and you never know when uh, someone's going to ask for a specific type of genre. That is so like, true. I, I, yeah. That's such a commonality among like people that are doing really well, I noticed, in entertainment, is that everyone's oh, has they're writing like tons of different things, and they're like, they just don't necessarily have anywhere for them to go yet, but they just, when they're asked, they have so many mm -hmm. things. Because in my last, uh, or two interviews ago, I, I interviewed Gina Ippolito, and she is uh like an amazing like tv writer and she just had so many sketches from her uh like written for her mod team on ucb that when she was asked she, she was just ready to go that's so, great yeah you just gotta keep writing and you know keep adding adding stuff to your uh your comedy bank because you never know when it might come in handy that's, like uh, I yeah. I used to care. I I mean, this is bad. I used to carry around a moleskin all the fucking time, and I've been really bad about it the past year. But I would carry around a moleskin, and I would just write down random jokes and thoughts, and um, I didn't know where they would live, but I just kept writing them down. And I had like, you know, started in high school and all through college. Wow. I had, I had all these silly. I have like ten little moleskins, and uh, when Five Second Films came around, um, working with Brian Frenzy. Um, who I met at USC and I was like, shit, I have all these fucking jokes that I could turn into five second films because they were just quick bits. I didn't know maybe I would find a way to slip them in some features or something, uh, feature scripts. And, um, yeah, you never know. Just got to write things down now. You know, now that I have a smartphone, I can just type it in my phone. Yeah. That's what um, I've been but, doing. I have, yeah. I can have the same thing. Like I have jokes since high school in my phone, in my notes. Yeah. Just like this endless list. Yeah, make sure you back them up. Don't lose them. I know. I'm worried. One of them's associated with a Gmail account, so I have to really make sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, just gotta you just keep writing. Just write stuff down. Totally. Writers write. Yeah. So for maybe some of uh, the listeners that don't necessarily aren't familiar with uh, cyanide and happiness, it's really popular, so they should be. But um, can you kind of walk them through what that is and like what kind of things you guys make? Uh. Sign and Happiness was a uh, comic strip that um, that the the started years and years and years ago. God, it's been around for like fuck, I don't even know, like almost fifteen years. Who knows? And um, they would release a new comic strip every day online, 
And then eventually they started doing animation and they were doing just like quick little sketches. They're very, they're outrageous. They're dark humor, um, completely silly, um, you know, definitely up my alleyway, dumb puns. And um, they became, we met at Comic-Con in like 2010 or something. And they recognized me from Five Second Films and and we just hit it off because I'm a huge fan of their work. And um, we were just buddies and we, whenever somebody was in town, we'd hang out and eventually they said, Hey, you should, you should help write some sketches. We're always looking for, for sketches to animate. And I thought they were just being polite. <laughs> and then uh, eventually they were like, no, seriously, write us some fucking sketches. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it, those guys are great. And, um, and the funny thing is like, you write a sketch and then you don't hear about it for like five months. And then eventually all of a sudden, poof, there come there. It's released. And you're like, Oh, I forgot about that. Cause it takes so long to animate. Um, they have a backlog. So like, you know, they're always working on stuff. They have a team of animators and, uh, they, yeah, they're really fun. And they have a great card game called joking hazard. It's like, um, cards against humanity, but, um, it's three panels instead of just two cards. So you can you do a setup middle and then a punchline and somebody puts down the punchline card and then the judge decides which one is the funniest that works with the uh, the sketch or the um excuse me the comic strip panel and uh, it's it's really some some outrageous stuff and now that's um, amazing wait so you gener- and now they're doing video games wait so that's that's a literal game that they make or do they use that for generating ideas no they they make it it's you can buy it online. <laughs> Oh, nice. Um, Where can people so, buy it? I've uh, got to explosion.net.com. Just type in Side 9 Happiness card game, and it's joking hazard. It's really fucking funny. I think you actually get it at, like, Target and Walmart and stuff. Definitely order off of Amazon. Um, I always like to uh, uh, bring it to parties and stuff, and, and it, it, it gets everybody drawn in. And so now they're doing a video game. Um I guess that was the next logical step: go cards, and then you go video game. So it's been just a complete honor to to be working with them, and I'm I'm just so happy <laughs> to be yeah you know, to be included whenever they've got a fun project. Yeah, that's like, so I'll... fun. Yeah, it's just like yo. Know, I, I think what happened was they invited me to do a couple writing meetings, and then I just never left, and I kept showing back up. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so you just got to keep showing up. And then eventually, you know, you're going to be like that, that, uh, that house plant that never left. You're like, well, I guess it's part of the living room now. That's so great. So you just first started like submitting sketches to them, like sending yeah. them over email, just like once in a blue moon. Yeah. And, and then they would have writers meetings and then, and I would jump on and, and do joke punch ups with them and, and just bounce around ideas. Um, that's great. Yeah. And I imagine not anyone could just like go write for cyanide happiness right is there just like do they have like no it's no 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 it's just kind of a um if they if they know you and trust you and like you then you can totally get in there (laughs) um but yeah you know same thing with five second films like people ask if they could pitch ideas and we're like well we don't take ideas um because we don't want to be accused of stealing people's ideas so we've always just had a no submission policy just as a way to you know protect ourselves and and encourage the the writers like well you know you should make that joke and film it and we'll you know tweet it or you know facebook it 
because we were always encouraging people like, yeah, go make your own five second film. Do it. Have fun. Yeah, definitely. So how did you meet the guys from Cyanide Happiness? I think you touched on it. In the I met at a Comic-Con. Comic-Con. Interesting. Yeah. And did you guys each have your own like booth or something like that? No, no, no. I was, um, I was actually in line to go see, um, it was a Tommy Wiseau short called the house that dripped blood on Alex. No way. I just saw Tommy Wiseau. Also, I just saw the room screening like two weeks ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. In yeah. Westwood. Yeah. Yeah. I have a big history with that movie from 2003 back in the day. Um, my friends and I started the cult movement and, um, and half the jokes you hear in the callbacks are rituals that we started. Wait, what? You didn't know this? No, oh. what? I mean, I know, oh, yeah. I know, because I, I went to the screening and I had, I thought like, oh, I'm gonna see the room for the first time, and I had no idea what was going on. People were just literally yelling things like yeah. the whole time. But my I, friends and I started the cult movement in 2003, and I've been labeled as patient zero. Wait, what? And... You just casually started that cult cult movement? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, how? Also, wait, what? I didn't know that at all. Okay, maybe I didn't uh... do my due diligence here. <laughs> It's funny. Wait, yeah, that's, I, uh, what the hell? Yeah, yeah it's, it's ridiculous. I've been interviewed to um, like Variety, Hollywood Reporter, CNN. Um, Wait, what? Entertainment <laughs> Weekly. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in the Disaster Artist book. Um, I'm in. I crashed the set of the Disaster Artist. I'm like in it for a quick second. Wait, the what? Yeah, in the in the um, theater thought... scene at the end. In the theater scene at the end. Wait, that's when so funny. He, when everyone starts applauding, I'm like the third person down the row on the aisle and, and James Franco high fives me as he runs down. That's amazing. <laughs> wait, what? How did you, okay, wait, I, let's, I don't so care many about stories. anything else. Like we'll, we'll just cut you to have, how did right, you thought, start a cult movement? You're, you're so, a cult leader. It's amazing. Uh-huh. So in 2003, I saw a trailer for the room at an independent theater in Los Angeles called the Lemley. And how the Lemley works is if you pay enough money to rent um, a theater to four wall your film, you can have uh, the theater chain show your trailer. So I was seeing an unrelated film, uh, a documentary called Gigantic about They Might Be Giants. And the trailer before it was for The Room. And it was so ridiculous and bombastic and overdramatic and, and nonsensical. And I was just laughing like, what the fuck was, what, what was that trailer? What did I just watch? And I forgot about it. And then a couple of weeks later, I was in the valley with my buddies and um, we saw it on the marquee. It's like the room. I'm like, why does that sound so familiar? Oh my God, that fucking movie. I got to know what it is. So um, I dragged my two buddies, David Nelson and Scott Gardner. And I'm like, I, you know, I'm driving. So you guys are already trapped in my car. We're just doing this right now. Like literally just, just pulled into the theater. And um, there was a sign on the the um, box office that said no ticket for the room will be refunded after the first 15 minutes. Really? And um, yeah. And then there's another sign that they printed out an IMDB IMDB review of the room. And the, the title was this film is like getting stabbed in the head. And, um, and the ticket <laughs> and uh, the, the person in the box office was trying to get us not to do it. They're like, it's really bad. Everybody watched. I was like, no, 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 we want to do it. We got it. They were like, dare. basically it was like a dare. Like, Oh, we, oh, we got to do it. So we saw it in an empty theater, just me and my two buddies, and we just couldn't believe it, how bad it was. It was amazing. It was, like, genius. And we were just laughing, and we just couldn't 
wrap our brains around like every scene got worse and worse it was just it just kept outdoing itself so before the movie was even over i was on the phone calling my friend saying you have to see this movie before it disappears it's amazing it's insane and uh you know they're like we're not going to pay for a bad movie i said don't worry i'll sneak you in so i snuck in 15 people we all watched it and we stayed in that theater and hid after the first screening and waited for the usher to leave and then we came out and we opened the back door and snuck in our friends and stayed for the next screening and then after that we're like let's we got to bring more of our friends because you know all of our friends have to see this because they have to know what we're talking about that's we're just amazing gonna... yeah so we saw it four times in three nights and on the last night we brought over 100 people and had spoons and we brought spoons and footballs and we dressed up and we were shouting, you know, doing callbacks and stuff. And, and then, yeah. And then Tommy saw his ticket sales go from zero to like 800 bucks. And we kept emailing him like, Hey, we want to see, where can we get a copy of the room? Are you going to do another screening? And he's like, what the fuck is going on? So then he started doing business screenings, like test screenings, like filming us being like, what is happening? And we just kept coming. We kept bringing more friends because everyone was getting jealous that they missed out because it's all we would talk about. And before you knew it, Tommy started doing free screenings in like bigger theaters. And he did a couple free screen screenings. And then on like the third one, he started charging. And we're like, you son of a bitch, which is genius. It was like a, a crack dealer, you know, the first hits. Yeah, free exactly. And, charging. Yeah. and the then we just, model. Kept, and we just kept going back. We wanted to keep it going and we wanted to make sure that all of our friends in our circle could see it just so they could get our jokes. And and then eventually it just kind of became self-sustaining. And then in 2008, um, entertainment weekly wrote an article about it and I got interviewed in it and it was like an eight page spread. And then it like blew up and it got huge. And then, yeah. And then that's, that's kind of how it happened. That is so funny. Wow. That's how I have, that's how I have Greg Sestero in our, in my movie, uh, dude, bro party massacre three. Greg Sestero is a friend of mine because, uh, you know, he we kept meeting at screenings and he's like, I can't believe you brought all these people. Thank you so much. You know, keep it up. Wow. And, yeah. And then I was like, hey, do you want to be in my feature film? He's like, absolutely. He's a great guy. Greg Sestero is a sweetheart. <laughs> That's so cool. I don't know how I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> like you just casually also have just thousands of friends. <laughs> like. <laughs> He was like, yeah, I just brought hundreds of people to this movie theater. You're like the well, best promoter me, ever. It was basically like, you know, we would tell all our friends, like, bring three people. You bring three people. And I was calling calling people, you know, on the fucking phone. And so that nobody used email back then uh, at our age. And we didn't have face Facebook didn't exist. And, you know, you couldn't, like, send a trailer link because YouTube didn't exist. So I was literally calling people just saying, you got to come. I'm telling you, this is so much fun. Trust me. And they're like, and it was the um, kind of the paradox of me telling them, this movie is brilliant. It's amazing. It's so funny. It's so bad. And they're like, wait, if it's brilliant, how can it be bad? Wait, what? Uh, and they have to go see it. And then they go, oh, Jesus. <laughs> wow. And th there's so many, like that cult is huge now. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. I saw it um, at the Zigfield Theater in New York. And God, I don't know, 2011 or something. And it was like a thousand, a thousand people. It's like one of the biggest theaters in America. And there was a thousand people just like screaming our jokes. Like jokes that I came up with were being said by complete strangers. 
That's so like, cool. Yeah, it was like it as a writer that was like that's that that's a beautiful dream. Like I came up with some dumb jokes that looks like uh, have become ritual. It's almost like yeah, wow, that that's so cool. It's just like yeah. It feels like a one-hit wonder of like you 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 have like all these jokes and then they're in this they're immortalized forever in this movie. Like yeah, that's so cool. Not that Weird. you're a one-hit, you're not a one-hit wonder. But that, that's, <laughs> no, I'm trying. Not that to movie be, is a a one-hit wonder. That's so cool. Yeah, I, I've been trying to work very hard to do other things. I'm not just known as the guy that started the room cult movement. And I'm like, I have to do all this other stuff. Otherwise, I don't, I don't want that to be in my tombstone. You know, it's a fun asterisk, like a like a footnote, but I don't want it to be the only thing yeah, I remember. No, you don't want for. that to be the body. That leave it as the <laughs> no. footnote. Yeah. Cool. So we're we were talking about Comic Con, right? And how you met. Oh shit! Yeah, that was. No, that's cool. I I like that. That was the best. Yeah, I met him at ever. I met him at um Comic Con, and I was I think I was wearing a five second film shirt, which also helped them flag me down. They're like, oh hey. We're fans, and and um, he said uh, it was Rob. Rob was like, "Hey, you know, we do Sinai and Happiness," and I was like, "Oh my God! Look, you know, the internet says that I stole some of your jokes. I swear to God, it was a pun." Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, don't worry about it. Puns are it's puns are the lowest form of humor. It's bound to happen. It's like, don't even worry about it. Every the collective unconsciousness." So then we just you know went out drinking uh, at the end and and um, just hung out. We just. Uh, and and they, he, Rob said, uh, "How does it feel to be in the club?" I was like, "The club? What club?" He goes, "The club of mutual admiration." I was like, "Yeah," because I was like, "I love their work. They like my work." And that's like, really cool. Them. Yeah, they're really great guys. And so it was just kind of a back and forth uh, friendship. Whenever one of us or would be in their town or they're in our town, we'd hang out. And, you know, they were in a couple five second films, and they're, they're great guys. They're really cool. That's interesting. Just like mutually, like appreciation, starstruckness. Yeah, I was just, I was shocked. I was like, I'm not the cool one. You guys are the cool one. <laughs> like, no, you're the cool one. <laughs> no, you're the cool one. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, yeah. Just like, yeah. yeah the bro, bro relationship. Was it the, the... Bro, bromance. Yeah, the bromance, bromance. Mm -hmm. You yeah. guys are cooler. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, so, so, yeah. Well, sorry, what were you saying? So I was like, so, you know, five second films, we started in 2008. We did a new film every Monday through Friday. Um, and we had to like 2000 and shit. I don't even remember. It was like six years. It was insane. And so we had like 2000 films and then we, 2000. Yeah. We have 2000 films. They're all five seconds. And we, um, and we developed a, a, a big enough subscriber base and the end game was always, we always wanted to do a feature. So, um, we decided to do a horror film because it's, you know, uh, 80s horror films so it could be silly and, and, you know, we all like dark humor and, you know, violence can be funny and, um, and especially cheesy gore. So we did a Kickstarter, raised money, raised a quarter of a million dollars on Kickstarter and then got, um, there was an independent financier that actually reached out to us and, and said, hey, if you meet your goal, I'll match it. And wow. um, that's, yeah, and that's how we got to work with uh, Snoot, this production company. They did The Guest, You're Next, um, Anomalisa. Um, yeah, they're, they're, it was great. That was crazy. So we made the we stopped doing the website because it was always kind of a – there was no way to keep it going because you can't really make money off of advertising on five seconds. And, and it was so draining to just 
be filming all the fucking time that we're like, we're going to put a cap on this in five years because, you know, five is the perfect number for us. So, and coincidentally, Vine came out that year where we announced that we were ending. So people were like, oh man, are you quitting because of Vine? And we're like, no, it was always the plan to to end it because we can't keep doing this and we wanted to do a feature. So um, when we stopped doing the website, we were able to focus on the feature because if we were going to try to do both, that's hard. They, they both would have suffered, you know? Yeah. You wouldn't be able to put in the proper amount of focus. Yeah. So, so that's what, so we got Larry King and uh, we killed Larry King in it and Patton Oswalt, Greg Sestero. And, so funny. Yeah, it was great. It was fucking awesome. Where can we find that movie? You can find it on DubroPartyMassacre3.com, on, Am- on uh, Amazon, on iTunes, and it will be available on Showtune, uh, Showtime, not Showtune, <laughs> Showtune. Show- <laughs> Showtime on uh, April 1st. So you, if you have Showtime, you can watch it. Wow, that's so cool. So um, tell tell me a bit about Five Second Film. So that's how like I met you from my club, brought you in at UCLA last year, I think. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, thanks for doing that. That was really cool. And um, I, I we found you because we were writing sketches, and uh, we knew you from Five Second Films, and we just we love all your guys' work. So I, I just was wondering, how did how'd that start? How'd that come about? So Five Second Film started at USC. Brian Ferenzi, um, the creator of 5SF, uh, he, he and I were in the same writing class. And, um, and um, I never met him. You know, we were just starting out. And the teacher asked everybody, hey, what did you do over the summer? And Brian said, I just made some Five Second Films with my friends. And I was thinking, like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. What what can, what can you do in five seconds? And I kind of, you know, dismissed it. And then I saw some of them. And I was like, holy shit, these are genius. I get it. You can. You can tell. It's Basically, it's a, just a confined joke. It's just like a live-action comic strip. And I had these moleskins full of all these stupid jokes. And I was like, I have all these ideas. Can I help? And he's like, yes, please. And so he and I just became fast friends and started filming a whole bunch and more of the guys in our um, writing group at USC started getting involved. And then when we graduated, Ryan said, I want to do a new website. Uh, I want to do a website of it, and I want to do a new five-second film every day. And I was like, that's insane. I'll help you. <laughs> and uh, and um, we just started shooting them at, on the weekend at our house in uh, in L.A. And, um, yeah, and then, and then more people started getting involved. It was kind of funny in the beginning because – on the weekends, friends would hit us up like, hey, you want to go hang out, go to the beach? We're like, oh, no, I got to film these five-second films. And they're like, what? And then eventually they just stopped calling <laughs> calling to hang out because they knew that we would be filming. We just had to stick to our um, schedule and our, um, you know, we, we, we gave ourselves a, a deadline that we had to meet. We couldn't miss it. And originally we were just doing it just for ourselves because we thought it was funny. And, um, and it was a nice way to keep us sharp as filmmakers and writers because, you know, in 2008, like the economy went to shit and nobody could get a job and, you know, none of us could get any real filming jobs. And so like, fuck it, let's just do this thing because it's something to do and it's creative and I, I won't feel like a total asshole for not doing anything. How old were you guys? Was this right out of college? Yeah, right out of college. Um, I think uh, we were all like, you know, like 20, 22, 24 and shit. Nice. Yeah, okay. Sorry yeah. Yeah, for interrupting. <laughs> Go ahead. 
yeah, so then we just started filming it, and um, and no one was really watching other than our friends and family. <laughs> and um, slowly we started getting an audience, like very slowly. And then we made one thing that got number one on Reddit. It's called Magic Show Volunteer. And then all of a sudden we got this huge influx of subscribers, and we're like, oh, fuck. And all these new fans, and so we just kept it going. And then eventually, after a couple of years, um, uh, Patton Oswalt tweeted about us saying, hey, these films are really fucking funny. And he started tweeting a bunch of five-second films. And we flipped out. We're like, holy fuck, Patton Oswalt. Um, and we tweeted back saying, would you like to be in some? And he said, absolutely. And and then he came over and filmed with us for an hour. We shot three films with him, with him in an hour. He had a lot of fun. And, and then he started saying, hey, I'll, I'll, um, I have some friends that might be down to do this. And we got us Juliet Lewis and David Koechner and Weird Al Yankovic. And that was crazy. And so, yeah, that helped a lot. So we didn't even have to go through agents or managers. We just went right through Twitter. Um, but, yeah, that, that was the beauty of social media. That's so cool because, yeah, if you went through agents or managers, they'd be like, yeah, it'll be like, what, I don't know, $20,000 to work with Patton Oswalt yeah, yeah. per hour. No, he just came over and hung out. Nicest guy. Great guy. So, wow, that that's that's amazing. That story is great. How did – um, so what do you think attributed to your guys' like viral success? Um, I think what contributed to our success was uh, our modest success was um, that it was just bite-sized humor. It's very quick. You know, when you when you show somebody a funny video you found online and it's like three minutes, you're like, oh, God, three minutes. And, you know, they're like, come on, no, wait, wait for it. It's going to get funny. The punchline's coming. Um, this was just like wasting your time, but not very much. You just look at it. And you're like, oh, ha, that was really funny. And uh, And if it wasn't funny, I'm sorry. It was only five seconds. So the fact that it was like snackable um and it came out every day um you know fans would say they wake up they have a cup of coffee they watch a five or seven then check their emails and go about their day so it's just kind of like this reliable thing um just being consistent and um being concise i think is what helped um yeah that's what i think <laughs> great did you guys ever do any like crazy self-promotion stuff i feel like on social media now there's so many people like doing um, aggressive promotion to get um viewers. no we didn't we just posted the videos like hey here's a new one just hey, on facebook got... or, or just, yeah facebook on? facebook and twitter well we were posting they were all on youtube and we had a, a home site on five second films.com and that was that was it we just would post links there was no actual aggressive marketing or anything we just um kind of just let it like sprawl out you know very cool the natural way yeah it was a, it was a very grassroots comedy comedy group how did you how how long do, like does it take to come up with the film maybe from ideation to production uh it depends on the joke sometimes uh it could be so spontaneous it happens right then and there and it and it could be very simple it's really quick like um the missing stapler one uh missing which is very uh, one of our most popular ones um i came up with that on the spot and it took like five minutes to shoot if that because uh we were driving after shooting one five second film in the park that just didn't feel like it was going to work and as we were driving back i saw a missing um cat sign and i was like missing and I, you, when you wire your brain to that you have to think of a new five second film 
all the time, then everything you look at, you're trying to figure out how can I make a joke out of this. So I looked at the missing poster and I was like, what could be the most ridiculous thing to go missing? Because comedy works on opposites and surreal, um, uh, surrealism. Um, so I was like, what is the most ridiculous thing to go missing? And I was like, oh, a stapler, because how would you be able to put the sign up? <laughs> so I was like, guys, I got this dumb idea. And they're like, recently, that's really stupid. I was like, yes, but we need a film for tomorrow, so I'm just going to shoot it. And we shot it, <laughs> and when I edited it and put the music together, it just really worked. And I'm like, oh, fuck, that was pretty, that was pretty funny. Um, and then there's also some films that like took like a couple of days to shoot. Um, like there's this one called uh, Live Fast, and it was like a super uh, chaotic, quick cuts of like a person's life as they're young and then get older, and uh, and they just shot it in all these different locations. It's it's crazy. It's really funny. I yeah, I love those sketches. I mean, I saw one that literally had a horse in it. Mm-hmm. How? how we shot that? That that sounds so hard. You there was a horse. Well, like, it was in a home, well, right? Yeah, it was our house. What happened was. Um, um, one of the five second film guys, Michael Peter, was uh, doing um, some longer sketches for this company called AOK, and um, um, one of the writers was like, "I have this idea I've always wanted to do involving a horse in a living room, but I just can't find a house that would be crazy enough to let us have a live horse in their house." And Michael Peter's like, "Oh, I have just the house," and um, and he he pitched it to me. I was like, "Oh yeah, totally. You could have a horse in our fucking living room. That'd be hilarious." But my one condition is we have to be able to shoot a five-second film with it. So we uh, shot. Uh, so when they shot their sketch, and I was like, okay, I just need two minutes. So we shot um, basically the only stuff we needed with the horse, and we shot the other halves uh, later. So we just wanted to shoot the horse, do quick jokes, and then um, uh, when everyone left, then we shot the other half of the joke. Um, we actually have a, We actually have three horse jokes. Um, that are in the pipeline, and I think it's been enough time out since the last horse one. I could, <laughs> I could leak out the the next one, um, but yeah, we just it's it's kind of like that uh, Robert Rodriguez style of filmmaking. You have to look at what you have available, and then then capitalize on that. So we had a horse, I'm like fuck, we gotta we gotta film with this horse. You have to use the horse. You can't. Just you have to let the horse just yeah. sit idly. Yeah. Nice. So. Um... What's the, uh, so the process, I mean, you guys are just constantly wiring your brains to think for like in terms of five second films. Um, do you, do you, you in particular have like a, a writing process for these films? For five second films? Yeah. Um, what's it like? We try to think of something that isn't too dialogue heavy and something that's more, um, visually funny. Uh, and we try to think of two punchlines like like what's the second joke you know um because and then we were just trying to cram as many punchlines as we could like reversals um so that's it like we'd think of a, of a joke and then we would try to think like okay but what's the next level what's the second joke um that's about it i mean i don't know just being quick like what's the setup what point of view are we at like who you know who's who's the main character and then execution uh I don't know. Yeah. it's hard to explain because it's just like it comes naturally to you i bet it's like kind of me- it's kind of me- you know yeah it's like organic and mechanical at the same time yeah definitely and you guys had really good production quality 
on some of those sketches. So yeah, um, well, not in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, like you could see the increase. We started um, we started filming with SD uh, with tape forever ago, and um, we didn't have any lights. But eventually, after doing five second films for like a year, we got noticed by some uh, web commercial company, and they're like, "Hey, can you film some commercials for us for the web?" And the budget they gave us, we actually just put all, that money directly into buying lights and a boom, and um, so we could increase our production value. And so the stuff started to look better. And every time we would get like some sort of uh, commercial gig, we would put most of the money back into infrastructure, costumes, and better camera you know so smart yeah and so then the film started to look much better so the first year of the film is like you know kind of touch and go but as it went on they started to look really good and then hd you know came around so you you reinvested all of like your commercial earnings into equipment or just not all of it or or some of it in the beginning it was like all of it nice just to lay that foundation yeah what are what are some of the like fundamentals that you guys use like in a for a typical set like what kind of equipment are you guys using oh um that's a good question uh also if you don't know it's like i i mean you know we had kino lights and an airy kit um but now lights are all led basically there's some really awesome fucking lights that are uh, that don't use much power yeah like little, um, little tiny ones i just got this little tiny like led light yeah, yeah. Like and they're light or something like that you know they're they're not heavy like uh but yeah we were using kinos and uh airy kits which are hard lights um we had a green screen um eric was working at a um at a sound stage a grip lighting and equipment and um and they were going to throw away a green screen because it had like a coffee stain in the corner and eric's like hey can i take that they're like yeah sure it's gonna it's like worthless but uh, we started using that, and then we start. We were able to do green screen jokes. Um, yeah, I think we started shooting on a Canon XL2, and um, and then eventually we got like a Panasonic HD camera, and then we started using um, just like the Canon 5D, um, which which looks like a, a, a photo camera. Yeah, which is great because you could then we could steal shots like we could go out in public and and it just looks like we're shooting um just taking photos and you can do that um oh smart yeah is that how you also, avoid getting because like it's hard to film in la yeah and so that that was a way we were actually able to steal shots and and is because that the term is when you don't use permits is that oh what yeah you, you steal that's it what, that's what you mean okay and because um um, you know, they're five seconds. They're really short. By the time someone knew what we were doing, and if we would get if we would get kicked out, we would already have the shot. <laughs> can they? So I don't know this. If you're filming somewhere that requires a permit, can they request you take down the footage and pursue like legal action against you? Oh uh, yeah, they could. It depends. Because I was um, always kind of scared to do that. Because I remember my friends and I were going to do a Chabros. That's my YouTube channel. We we're going to film a sketch outside in uh, Beverly Hills and. You just know it's sketchy. No, you, you know, it depends on what you're doing. Like if it's a specific like mom and pop shop and you're doing something like defamation of character, then yeah, I think they could sue you and tell you to take it down. But um, I think, you know, it's better to 
you know, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think. When you're a low budget indie filmmaker, you kind of have mm-hmm. to do that. Oh yeah. Well, like um, for a feature film, we had to do everything by the book because uh, we we wanted to oh, yeah. sell it. So you know, because there are lawyers that, like, uh, for example, Showtime, they wanted to make sure that like, so everything's legit. You have all your paperwork. Um, you know, like uh, the animals that were on set, you have you have uh, animal rights uh, approval type stuff. Um, that way, it just makes it easier to sell something. So whoever is going to license it isn't going to be worried about getting sued. Um, oh yeah, totally. So that's scary so for, stuff. So for a feature, yeah, you, you know, you you for the most part, you got to play it by the book. Um, but you can still fudge things like if you have a shot that isn't really um you can't really tell where it is you can you can lie and be like oh yeah no that was at that same location i have a permit for and permission to shoot oh yeah it. yeah but not us we did everything by the book that is good <laughs> so uh for five second films what was the structure like how many people were in it um it started off about six of us and then and then we started then we got actresses um, Kelsey Gunn and Olivia Taylor Dudley, who's actually in the um, Magicians show on, on Sci-Fi. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, because we got tired of dressing up as women and doing these sketches. Like we need actual actresses because we were just a bunch of dude bros. Um, and um, so then we started to grow a little bit. People started coming over. And, well, people would come over all the time and just hang out. We're like, hey, you, you know, you can't like distract us. You gotta pick up a light and start helping. And once we started putting people to work, they stopped showing up. <laughs> Your <laughs> cult some, is diminishing. Yeah, but but once, um, but there were some people that were like, "Oh yeah, I want to help," and then they just kept showing up and they kept helping, and we're like, "Okay, cool. Now you're part of the group," because um, you were just tired of doing all the shit by ourselves. So when we started getting help, we're like, "Oh, please keep coming back." How so did you keep like, them coming back? Just it was just enjoyable to be on. Yeah, set. they had. You know, we're awesome guys. So it's like super a, cool guys for sure. Super super cool. Um, they no, they just had fun and and they were filmmakers and, and like this is what they wanted to do and uh, a lot of the times they would say, you know, I, I hang out with friends and they talk about doing stuff, but you guys are actually doing stuff and I want to hang out and help because I want to be a part of something productive, and that's how how we got you know Tom Jacobson, Mike James, Joey Scoma. They just started, and Alec Owen, they just started coming over and helping out, and they were just pleasant people to be with. Wow, I love that. Mm-hmm. So, how did you guys, uh, like, separate responsibilities? Um, it's all kind of uh, natural, because everyone is has their strengths, and, you know, somebody is more camera savvy, someone is more writing savvy, someone is, you know, more acting savvy, so it's just kind of um, people would kind of do a little bit of everything, but you know, people would show up because they they wanted to exercise, uh, you know, their talent and what and their passion. Um, and um, for for like directing a five SF, everyone kind of directs it because we're all just kind of riffing and improvising. Yeah, exactly. But but mainly the person who the general rule was if you came up with the five SF, it's your idea, and then you can direct it. Uh, but, you know, that doesn't mean people can't riff and come up with ideas while we're shooting. Um, so it's very collaborative. And that's how it worked with the feature film. Like there were three of us directing because um, it was just, you know, we work together all the time. So 
it didn't feel right to have just one person directing it. So we, we, we kind of had a collaborative group. Um, yeah, it was, it was great. It was great. Were there ever times where your group had to like, uh, you know, you had to face difficult decisions and there's disagreement and like, how oh yeah, it sounds like an interview, like a job interview question. I yeah, no, but... there's, there's, um, there's, 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 yeah, there've been disagreements on a lot of stuff, um, but mainly the biggest thing was, is it funny? Does it make us laugh? And the, and the one that gets the biggest laugh out of the group is usually the right answer, and so laughter was the ultimate deciding factor. Sometimes we'd have arguments on, I think the punchline should be this, I think the punchline should be this. Um, and we would shoot both of them because it would actually take more energy to argue than it would to just shoot it. And we would edit it and then we would have like side by side and then we'd e email it out to the group and then the group would vote like, I think the second joke is better. And then that's how, how it would go down. So nice. it was very democratic. How about like in terms of like a vision for the group? Were, were there ever like, was there ever someone who was like spearheading like, this is where I think we should go and what? how we should be doing things yeah there no there are a lot of people that had um that would take the reins because it, it would be very exhausting and you can only really do it for so long before you would get exhausted because it was so demanding to be making all these films and working on all these other projects um mainly you know brian frenzy created the the company so he's basically the main deciding factor but he's very diplomatic so there's a lot of um voices that get heard um but yeah, it's it's just been kind of like a you know a big family of uh, a filmmaking family, and obviously with every family there's arguments pop up. But you know you're arguing because you're passionate about the project or the joke, and you know nothing's taken personally. Yeah. So and that's a, that you know emotions get do get high, uh, especially with like the feature because it was the stakes were really high. But no matter what, it was all in love, and yeah, of you course gotta, you got to have a thick skin regardless if you're going to be working in film especially because film is so collaborative that you you just have to learn not to take things personally it's just everyone's trying to make the best product they can exactly uh, so five second films is still around today right we actually yeah we actually just started um um shooting and re -up and, and uploading stuff again so there's actually the pa brian lives in london and uh um, yeah, so and so he was in town for like a month over the winter break and um he's like, Hey, I kinda feel like let's let's get the band back together and let's shoot some films. So we shot ten films. I'm like, Fuck, yeah, this is fun. I forgot about how fun this was and we started uh uploading one a week now and it's fun watching the fans flip out because 'cause like, Holy shit, you guys are back <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And it also helps for our feature, like if we keep you know, if we keep the side alive, then we can remind people like, yeah, there is a feature film still out there, and we sell DVDs still. Uh, I'm the one who actually ships them, ships them out. So, did um, <laughs> wow, did did yeah. um, did the site ever make enough money that you guys were doing it full time? No, 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 no. You can't make you can't make money off of YouTube, especially if there's twelve people in the company. Oh yeah. That's like the big, ad re the ad revenue at the end of the month was like nothing. It's like how do you divide a thousand dollars between twelve people? It's not even worth it. So you would just put it back into the company. So um, you know, occasionally we'd like buy pizza and beer <laughs> for everybody, but that was it. That makes sense, and that's crazy because five second films is like pretty huge, and still, it's not. Oh, thanks. Like, 
it's just hard to make money online. It it's is really hard. It is unless you're like a solo vlogger and it's just you. Um, but you know, making making films is time consuming, is energy and resources, and it's just um, yeah. And the fact that they were five seconds, you can't put ads on it. You can't put like a fucking thirty second ad before a five second film. I know. <laughs> so we had to try to get creative where we would you know string the whole week of films together and make one video at the end of the week and it would be like a minute long and i and i think i think that was it used to be that was the minimum requirement to get ads it had to be like a minute and then that's what we would do and then we would do uh more fan interaction stuff where we would do comments of the week and we would it would be us reading the comments from youtube and making fun of them or agreeing with them um fans got to see our our personalities and how we interact and those videos would be like seven minutes of us just goofing off and you know that's smart i've been thinking yeah. about trying to do that with my channel because i realized yeah, it's good fans don't know who we are you, yeah you got to um got to engage your fans you got to uh because they they also want to feel like they're a part of something so you have friends and everything um and then they come back and watch stuff Oh, my writing partner's here. Oh, okay, yeah, you have to, you have to balance, huh? Oh uh, yeah, give me, give me two seconds to just uh, hang on one second. Okay, no worries. Hello. 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 Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I gotta start wrapping up. You're good. So <laughs> it's great though, you know, talking about writing, and then I'm like, well, now I gotta go write. No, it's very authentic. Very yeah. authentic of you. Um, so wait, I had a, so I, I'd like. Two two more questions, if that's okay. Yeah, you know, hit me. Yeah, what's up? Okay, cool. So, one I wanted to ask, uh, what was the overall like return for putting in all that time and energy into five second films? Which is, oh, the re yeah. the return was, um, you know, working with all my best friends, and we got to do a feature film, and um, yeah, I mean that was the return, and then just I think it made me a better writer for sure. Because I can, um, you know, streamline and, and just get get to the heart of a scene as quickly as possible and get out of the scene before it gets too dull. It just made me a, a, a better writer, I think. And that's super valuable, especially because yeah. that's transferable anywhere. Yeah. Awesome. And then just as a closing, I, I just want for people listening, what, what kind of advice would you give to, uh, you know, an aspiring writer or, and someone maybe that wants to get into doing more cartoon work also my advice would be just do it you know you're not you're doing it because not of the money because they're you know in the beginning there will be no money <laughs> <That's true. laughs> and eventually when there is money it's still going to be tiny but you just got to keep doing it because you love it you know like people come to los angeles because they want to be an actor or a director or a filmmaker and they get discouraged after a couple of years and then leave and it's like well that's you can't just come out here and give it a time limit and then leave. You have to stick to it because the people that make it are usually the ones that after like 15 years of doing it, something actually finally strikes. Um, and if you want to do cartoons, find animators you respect and just find people that, that whose work you respect and offer to help, you know, um, one guy make your own stuff too. So you have something to show for your own, uh, uh, personality um like we were hit up by somebody via email four years ago and um 
Washington. He's like, hey, I'm moving to L.A. I'm a huge fan and I make videos, too. And I'm just looking for people to collaborate with. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. What a nice kid. I'll look at his his, uh, his sketches. And I was like, holy shit, these are brilliant. So I met him. And he's a cool guy. And then eventually we became fast friends. And he's like, yeah, let's just film shit. So we've just been filming stuff for the past four years. And all because he just wrote an email and included an example of his work. And, it, and his sense of humor jived with my sense of humor. And he was a good guy. So I'm like, fuck, let's work. So that's it. So you just just do it. You just got to film. You got to write. You know, have something to show. You know, make your resume. Type that's thing. so cool. Just like collaborating. Just yeah. making work with people and helping people. Yeah. Very well, cool. Austin, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much. Is there anything you want to plug for people um, listening? For yourself check out check out the blubberbs on go90.com and check out dubro party massacre 3 at dubro party massacre 3.com and it'll be on showtime on uh april fools i hope it's not a joke i hope it's not a joke that sucks <laughs> yeah i hope it's on it will all right man. yeah keep an eye out for more five second films sweet thanks so much michael i appreciate all right, it bud. Thank, thank you so much have a good one dude cool bye. enjoy writing oh i enjoy writing bye bye Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into Working Comic Podcast. There's a new episode every week where I interview writers, directors, comedians, producers, any kind of creative thing you can think of, and also the business side of things. So club owners, agents, managers, festival runners, all that stuff. So tune in every week. And uh, also follow me on social media at the Austin Nasso on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can also catch me on YouTube with Chabros, C-H-A-A, Bros, one word. Uh, we have some funny videos up, so check it out. Thanks, guys. <laughs>